Zane Lowe, Apple Music. You're listening to the Zane Lowe interview series. I am Hanuman, helping pull back the curtain on Zane's next interview with the one and only King Princess. Now, King Princess is another artist that we've been very fortunate to have a front row seat to see her ascension to one of the funniest, talented, most intelligent voices of her generation. An outspoken queer artist who has never shied away from telling her own truth. She's back with a brand new album. It's called Hold On Baby, the follow-up to Cheap Queen, and we are very much here for it. This is the Zane Lowe interview series with King Princess. This is your new album as a Broadway play in seven seconds. <laughs> oh, I'm in love. I love love. Oh, I'm out of love. Fuck love. No, I love love. No, fuck love. No, I, I hate love love. Myself. I, fucking... I want to party. Which is <laughs> one of the best song titles of all time, by the way. Well, yeah, I had to change it. Why? Because I hate myself. I want to die. No, because it was called PS5 and Miss PlayStation herself said no. Said, please, no. Really? And I was like, wait, I'm signed to Sony. <laughs> <laughs> this is the. I was like, my whole. I'm. Oh, I am a Sony product, like similar to a PS5. I also am run by Sony. This is one of the great conversations, conversation starters, of all time. We have everybody listening and watching right now, wherever you are. One of the preeminent meta modern icons of music and art, straight out the gate, trying to appeal to the owner of a major gaming corporation. <laughs> Based on the fact that she's signed to a parent company. This is why the world's so f***ed. I, I didn't really understand the problem. I mean, first of all, I, I play a lot of PS5. It's because you understand too much. That's why, because you can connect the dots so easily. Cause you told me the song is not enough about the, PS, play, the PlayStation, PlayStation device. I'm like, what, do you want me to run through its functions? Like, what do you like? Like, if I, if I literally outline the functions of a PS5, would, would you let me make my song title PS5? Our love is like a PlayStation and I 5. And I tried to do PSV. Like, I was like, ooh, no, Rebooting. this is sneaky. They said no. Mm. They said that's too similar. So not similar enough and too similar. It was Goldilocks when all this was happening. You need, it needs to be just right. In order to, for, for you to be able to reference the PlayStation and the fact that your parent company couldn't actually help you. It really hurt my feelings. Um, it hurt my feelings <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I, I really love PlayStation and I hope to... I, my dream is to make a video game. Right. So... And I have an idea that I can't tell you because you'll see it's too good. Oh, so, did so, you hear what she was going to say? Did you catch what she was going to say? She caught herself. I was going to tell you the idea, but I'm not going to tell you. No, after that, you said, because you'll steal it. Is that what you think of me? You think, I, you think I'm, an, I, I'm a creative IP thief? You're, you're, this feels think tanky <laughs> in here. I mean, it's like, I don't want you to like get, get any ideas. I see you. You're looking at me like... He's a he, oh, he's a harvester. I just I just saw him with a little notepad trying to write down my idea, a little a tablet, gaming idea. <laughs> no, so that's what I want one day, you know, for myself and for the for the children. You don't achieve it. You just may have to go to Nintendo. No, no, I want PS Five exclusive. You really? But now are I have a, a relationship. Yeah, because you, you're a sucker for. <laughs> relationships your whole album is about it you can't even divorce yourself from your gaming company after they tell you you're not fucking good enough it's nintendo are lining up ready to sign you a check and you're like no give me hell playstation i i got dumped by, by playstation, PlayStation. <laughs> 
we're, I was like, we're like, we're like cousins. No, we're not related. No, they said, mm-mm. So yeah, I had to change it to uh, I hate myself. I want a party. Which is still great. Which is a great title. You're such a B idea winner. Like at the end of the day, even your B's are A's. Oh, thank you. That's, I'm serious. All right, listen, you and I could just chop it up and talk shit for an hour, but I got something serious I want to say. All right. Um, when we first met, it was obvious what the, the talent and ability and your love for making music and you produce everything yourself, right? It was all pretty, really impressive for what it's worth as a fan. And we were all instantly drawn in, but this album is another level and I know it took a long time to make. In fact, I was surprised. I was like, no, there was one in between, surely. I'd lost track. This is on your second album. But I just want to say, man, I, I can only imagine that perspective is something that's been lost toward the end of this process. So just if it offers you a little bit, this is an amazing second record. Oh, thank you. I like, really appreciate that. Really, really blown away by this album. Thank you. Yeah. How did you feel when you knew it was done? Still confused? I think that I was really, really proud. I was really proud. Um, I write in excess and then I have to reel it in. And I think I'm in a kind of unique position where I write so much and then, you know, my team and everybody who has input on what makes the cut besides me like we you know we have to sift through really good songs that don't make the cut yeah and it's just us being like what you know what what really is the heart of the matter on this record and i feel like i i was able to uh deduce it and i think that what came from it is is a record that's really about me it's less so about like some some else. girl or, you know, a, a broken relationship. I mean, and there's still moments of heartbreak traditionally, but I think that there's, I had to find a different heartbreak because I was really more so struggling with like not liking myself. Well, you can hear that in the performance. What's crazy actually is before you even dive into the words, fans will no doubt immediately acknowledge that it is like you're whispering at times to yourself. Mm. Yeah, there's certain songs, the songs I did with Aaron Dessner, made a really co like cognizant decision to uh, uh, use like like really close mic those songs and I sing them differently. I don't know if it's something about being at Aaron's or just the way we wrote those songs, but there's when you have those moments on the record, like Crowbar or Change the Locks, like I'm, I'm really close to the mic. And then with the Ethan songs and the Dave songs, I'm like screaming, which is... I thought was cool as a nice little. There's a dynamic. There's a, there's a lot real dynamic on the record. What is it about Aaron Dessner that gets that out of people? Because it's not like I can draw a through line in the artists that that you know he's worked with lately, whether it's Taylor or Ben Howard, yourself. But he's gentle. There you go. He's gentle. He's just like you know. I I found that working with people because I you know I, it's it's exhausting to feel like you have to do everything yourself and it, it's also not conducive to great art. Isn't that what you wanted at the start though? Yes, but I was an asshole. <laughs> I was an asshole. I was like, I went now. I'm gonna play every instrument. It's like, no, girl, shut the fuck up. Like, there's people who are better than you. <laughs> and one of the things I realized with this record was that I need people who can be my hands, and so I can sit down and focus on the song. And I have these incredible people like Aaron, who so gently lay down the hardest guitar part you've ever heard. You know what I mean? And I trust him to not fuck with the integrity of my writing. Boy, that trust, that word trust, like I can tell that that's, that, that's been a big one for you in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, like I'm going to, I really trust the people I work with. But like, you had to learn how to do that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I approached making music on the defensive for most of my life. When we first met, even I felt like I had to sort of somehow let you know that it was okay. I wasn't here to like ask you shit questions to be a kid you know what I mean well think about think about what it's like it's like you know I came out of the gate like real hot as a as a gay person and you're immediately and I'm thankful that I can do that and I'm thankful for my predecessors who allow me to do that yeah but it's important to point put into context as we're just playing table tennis a bit that even four years ago things have changed a lot between then and now exactly and also I was being asked questions that were really fucking stupid like all the time. Like, what's it like being a gay artist? Like, who the f? Which, can you fucking imagine? Yeah, well, you know. Asking I, a straight person that? Zane, what's it like being a straight radio host? Oh, dude, it's. Tell me about it. It's, so, Does it help your art? It's really boring. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously. Because I, there was a conversation I was lining up to have with somebody who was dancing around that subject and it was shocking to fans and I was getting ready to address it and it was my kid who told me. He said, no one cares. Well, it's just like I want to live in a meritocracy where. It's all merit based. Like you, you know, it's like you have to make good. You have to make good shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I, to me, becoming a better musician, each project getting better, yeah. the songwriting, the production. If it's not getting better, then I'm worthless. That's what going to people are going to remember about you on a legacy level. But in the moment, it's got to be challenging for someone like you who is a strong voice and is championed because you champion and because you are passionate, you don't shy away from who you are. So others who are looking for support and looking for strong voices to help build a continuously strong case mm -hmm. for equal rights, do look to strong artists. It's ultimately a cape that gets thrust upon you. So how do you kind of reason with that when you want to live in a meritocracy? Well, I, first of all, I think I'm working on being a lot softer because I am really soft. And I think that I've been, I use, I use humor as a defense and I've used it online. I've used it with my fans. I've used it in here. Know, I've used it in here. And I think that part of me wants to be, you know, helpful to people by telling people it's okay to be messy. It's okay. It's okay to feel a hundred different things at the same time and 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 that's what makes you special and now that i feel like i can f accept that about myself i feel a lot more down to be like what you're saying wear the cape help help encourage people to find themselves through art in any way that they want and that's what I, that's all my heroes did but yeah i mean it's just like you need you need people who who get up get up and do the thing and and say like you know next time you're at home playing guitar and you feel like, you know, you need a label or you need a you need recognition on the Internet or something. Know that you first need to know that you're good and that you love what you're doing. And that's the thing that really jumps out on this album. I'm so glad that you landed at that realization because it doesn't feel like you're chasing anything or anyone on this record at all. Like, it's crazy. I feel like. And I know it took a long time. Probably didn't expect it to take this long, I'd imagine. Like two and a half years? Ew. <laughs> That's too long. Yeah, but when you listen to it, it sounds like you tucked yourself away in a space that you felt really trusted in. Like, yeah. And what you came out with was a really intimate experience. And I think a lot of times albums that are poured over for that long can feel discombobulated, you know, really tough to listen to. This doesn't have that. I don't know how you achieve that. I mean, I, I don't know how you, what I'm trying to say is I don't know how you didn't get, lo didn't get lost. I got, I think I had... Um, did you get lost? I did, of course I did. But I think that, you know, what... I have a, a wonderful girlfriend who I work on the creative with. Mm -hmm. And um, she was kind of like, what are, you know, what are your totems 
for this record? Like what? Like who are who are you? Okay, like let let's get down to it. Like who am I? I'm who am I? I am somebody who is a nerd who you know spent a lot of time in the woods, like whittling sticks and like playing with nature. And I love animals and I love nature and I love my grandparents and the family that I come from. And I'm I'm this weird anomaly of things that 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 don't make sense. And I want to be that. Those are my totems. Those are the, the I had to go back to those things. Yeah, and be because like, that's not how any of us would have recognized you two years ago. We would have seen this kind of person who was striving into the unknown future, looking for ways to connect, you know, snap things, break things, morph and twist. Even your previous, you know, videos to some degree have have been, I think, you know, really pushing things forward. And so to hear you say, actually, at the heart of this album is somebody who's trying to get back to that meaning. Yeah, I think about myself as a little kid and how, like, honest um, I was to the person I am and how confusing and complicated the world is for any young person yeah. and we have to have empathy for young people because it's really fucked up and confusing right now it's like there's drugs are killing people like oh, literally not just that Dr- really easy to access drugs killing people like, like when i was growing up it was pretty clear don't snort that don't shoot that that shit is dangerous <sighs> now it's like there were kids who were going to parties and having one experience and their friends can't save them you mix that with the social, just the social dynamics of right now. I mean, we've all been cooped up and now we're all out and we're all showing face and it's fucking complicated and it's stressful. And especially if you're a young queer person, like it's it's a really hard landscape to navigate. I feel like I was so lost in the sauce in, in L.A. and for, for a couple years and I really did not like the person I was and... um so going to the East Coast and going upstate and being in the woods and doing that was really helpful for me, taking care of my grandmother who just passed. I'm I was sorry. there for, for three months taking care of her. So I'm glad you got that time. I'm yeah, sorry. I was there every day. And it was yeah. like, you know, it's like how that's that's the most truthful thing I, you know, I've ever done. It's like I'm sitting next to this woman who is like, this is like my, you know, I always think about like when my grandmother was born, Right. My mother was inside her as an egg, and I was inside my mother. So we have been with with each other for three generations. So I, you know, I really like. I needed that truth, and I needed I needed that to finish this record. I'm so glad you got that time. So many didn't. I know, and I feel really lucky. And I do recommend anybody if you or if you have the means, and and someone is passing, go and be Spend with that them. Time with it, him. That is, it is so spiritual. Yeah, and crazy. But this album, you know. It went through a lot of iterations, but the totem stayed the same. Like the owl on my album cover. That's like a big thing in my family, the owl. Why? Because it's this, I know my grandfather loved owls. It's the name of our house upstate is Owlite. It's a Dylan Thomas poem. Beautiful. And uh, it, he loved owls and he would always see them. And, and, I, and he would take me out to go look for them. And I, I, found, I just found them really beautiful. Like this, this bird that, that is like a, a truth teller. Mm. Mythologically. Definitely. I'm sounding really woo-woo. Don't check yourself. Yeah, but I am woo-woo. I'm getting a little, I'm like, "Mm," you know, I'm getting a little more (laughs) like in touch with my, "Mm," like, (laughs) I've been enjoying it. Because it's, it's, when you make an album like this where you're just like, like bearing your soul, like you want to. Can I just be really honest with you? Owls are fucking cool. 
Owls are okay, and you know that this was a real owl. Yeah, on the yeah, album yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, of course. We what, bonded. What? So that's how do you bond with an owl? Tell us. So the bird handlers came. There was this adorable couple, like full LL Bean, like <laughs> like hot. <laughs> Go straight to the LL Bean. Like hot, like vest, like so cute. And they've got these two cages, and one's an owl and one's a falcon. The falcon was their backup bird, and I was like. The falcon in the back of <laughs> Couldn't you bring another owl? I was like, this is a crazy choice. So they were like, this is E.T., the owl. And um, and I was like, okay, can I, um, can you, can you take him out? Can I hold him so that he gets comfortable with me? And they were like, oh my God, you're like interested in the owl? Like I usually we he works with models. Exactly. The models don't yeah. care. They're like, you know, and I was like, yeah, and I don't want a glove. I just want him to feel me. And then I want, you know, I, I pet him and I let him nibble on my fingers. And and then the whole day, he just, we just hung out. He didn't want to leave. And then he fell asleep on my titties. <gasps> There's a video of him sleeping on my titties. That is the sweetest It was so thing. cute. Couldn't, why can't all human relationships be like that? So I, I took them out and they nibbled on my fingers a bit and then they fell asleep right here. Yes, if it was only that simple. (laughs) (laughs) Takes years to get to that point. It was really emotional and cool. And it was cool because it was like, it felt like something like, look, look to my grandpa, like, check this out. Look at this thing I'm doing right now. This is for you. If you want to go real woo-woo. What I was going to ask you was, do you think that the owl recognized that you had that, that there was uh, an understanding of the language, that there was a connection that had been instilled in you from a young person? So there was just something intuitive because I truly believe animals see see yeah. way deeper than we see. They're definitely spiritual beings. I I think that the owl knew that I was safe, and whether that was a you know in relationship to my grandfather, I don't know. But I do think that it felt like that to me because this creature that you know was a hired actor on my, you know, album cover shoot felt safe and felt comfortable. The owl goes back to the crate and just lights a new point. It's like, she was a good egg. <laughs> she was a good egg. I like that. That was that was a good session. I like that. More of that. And listen to these a- <laughs> dick models. They just put me on their arm and act like I'm a fucking, like I'm porcelain. Like I'm a real living, breathing fucking owl. She gets it. She gets it. I, and I genuinely fell asleep. Like I was knocked the fuck you just ruined there. what I thought that owl sounded like. <laughs> the owl is a fucking boss. I thought the owl was like quaint. Uh, ooh, ooh, I was giving like, hello. Nah, that owl's a Newport smoking, whiskey drinking. Hey, she was great. She was fucking great. Like I was, I, I haven't had a power nap like that for 10 fucking years, I tell you. Those titties, those pillow titties. <laughs> I was asleep. I was fast asleep. You could have fucking driven me off a cliff. I wouldn't have woken up, I swear. Um, That's how comfortable that owl was. How long have you been with your girlfriend for? Was she with you through the making of the record? She was, and she's a tough critic. Yeah, well, I was going to ask as well, because this album is full of unrequited reflection and self-reflection based on your identity in the face of someone else. Yes. And, Ooh, well said. Ooh. And, you know, but yet you're in a relationship that you're searching for an increased equilibrium in, because that's what relationships are, searching mm-hmm. for new balance every day. So that's a dichotomy going on there, right? Because if you'd asked me up front straight away, hey, do you think I was in a relationship when you made when I made this album? I'd have been absolutely fucking not. You're putting yourself back together. How do you... How do you deal with loving someone and being in a healthy relationship when you don't like yourself. So that's what I was missing. And that's the nuance was that it was you were you'd broken up with yourself. I was like, yeah, who yeah. the f- has been in this skin suit yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for 
you know, 23 years. Um, <laughs> I I think with Quinn... It's so funny you call it that. I call I call them meat sacks. Meat, meat sacks. Meat sacks. I always say that to people. I'm like, you know, people, my friends are always like, you're always naked. You don't even, you know, you use your body for physical comedy all the time. And I'm like, well, it's just this like flesh suit that I'm, I've been assigned. Like it happens to look nice, but it's, it's really just steak. Yeah, they got, they, 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 they picked well. I'm buff, baby. Yeah, they, they picked well off the wreck of Nordstrom's that day. You yes, know I mean? they like, did. Um, no, but I do think, you know, with this record, I was like, you know, really searching for a different form of heartbreak because it was really getting boring to me to constantly be talking about other people hmm. and how pissed I was at, at blah, blah, and how blah, blah did this. And, you know, I wanted to be the person who... Because it's like, you know, I don't know. I, f- I find it really interesting and more even relatable on a mass scale to, for people to, like, listen to music and think about themselves versus, like, you don't always want to think about the person you're sleeping with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you want to think about yourself, too. And there's the artists I love do that. Well, there's some real moments on the album where you do that. There's a line in here, and I'm going to really mess it up. I'm going to torture it. I'm sorry. But um, in as many words, you say, you know, I, I, I hate it when you're around. I just miss you more when you leave. Oh, you like that line? Yeah. I hate when you're home. I said it wrong. Mm. I just love you more when you're gone. It's real good. I love that that lyric because it to me, it's like that song is the the physical manifestation of fumbling over your love for someone. Yeah. Like not not really being put together enough to know what you have to know what know what you have and know how to express that to yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how I feel a lot in this relationship because I love Quinn so much and I but I do like I'm 23. I really don't know what's going on in my you know in the yeah. I, I I'm I'm a mess and I I luckily I have parts of my life that are very solid, but I think emotionally I'm just starting to like hit the tip of the iceberg of like how to be a good person. So how are you getting there? Like, I mean, obviously that's a practice that goes through your whole life. And and once you acknowledge that and realize it's actually going to be really great and it's not a destination process, like it's really great work. Like, I think the first thing you do is don't pretend you're a good person because that never works for anyone, especially when you're like a, an artist. Because the minute you say I'm nice, I feel like, somebody will find out that you're not nice. Well, what is a good person? And I've never said I was nice. So I'm I'm already like a step ahead. Yeah, but I felt like your <laughs> disclaimer was really just trying to prevent anybody from misunderstanding. I, I always felt like there was a disclaimer that came along with the King Princess experience at the beginning. It's like, just in case you were wondering, before any of you say anything, I mean, I'm mean and I'm this and I'm f***ed <laughs> up and I'm this. So I'm just getting it all out in the open so you don't. That's kind of, I do, yes, I love that. And I think that's fierce and it's glam because, you know, no, I, I don't think this whole like self-love moment is necessarily, like it's great because you're manifesting. To some degree, you're like, yes, you're manifesting it. If you dream it, you can be it, vibes. And another part of me is like, nah, we got to normalize self-hate. <laughs> like we gotta, People have to feel okay with not being okay. And I was not okay with feeling depressed and and anxious and needing to like be on meds, but like I was, I was not okay with that because I was had this weird like toxic masculinity of being like, no, I'm fine. That's like shit. Like I'm not gonna go on pills. But then I was like, no, I literally need to be on pills. Yeah. So I, for me, it's like that was a huge thing. Therapy and like you know. But that's what therapy teaches you. Getting At least help. It, it taught me, which was um, it's it's all of it. It's, it's like you can't come yeah. in there expecting it to leave one thing behind and become something else. It's like 
you are that one thing. You're trying to be something right. that you can be proud of over time. Yeah, I want to. I want. I want to be good. I want to. You know, and I. I want to be good. <laughs> say, that's the cutest thing of all time. I, mean, I want to be good. I want to. I want to be good. But I'm mean. <laughs> I. Uh, well, this album. I think I talk about that a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you know, like, oops. <laughs> it's giving oops. <laughs> there's a little bit of oops in there. Um, there's also like, uh, you know, you're really, really good at at, talk, at dialing into the complexities of relationships. Mm. Um, you know, a song like Cursed. I love that song. And I actually really enjoy that song, even though the subject matter is always is, you know, pretty barbed and intense. I really enjoy it. Well, it's kind of like there's two perspectives to look at it. Like for me, when I wrote that song, I was thinking about obviously somebody, but I was thinking about me too. It's a curse to be your friend saying that to yourself. Yeah. Like all the things I list, like, <laughs> you know, did you stop smoking weed or trying to please your dad? Like saying that to yourself. <laughs> like, hey, did you, did you stop doing all these awful things, yeah. <laughs> unhealthy things? Yeah. Which I did not. Yeah. Good. No, not good. I mean, you do you. I stopped trying to please my dad, but I'm definitely still smoking weed. Right. Okay. Well, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, I have I mean, a gorgeous new little bowl. It's shaped like an apple. Why do you just do it in an apple? Because this one's glass. Yeah, but... Because the apple goes bad, you have to make a new one. Yeah, but it's like a thing. It's a vibe. I know. I actually used to smoke um, an apple bowl during fencing practice. Because I joined the fencing team in high school because I didn't want to be on the basketball team. So, And they had like a random fencing team and I was awful. I, got, I fouled out of every game. What was it like fencing? awful and also like I was awful at it and I would have thought it would have made you better like just flowing like water through that situation well did you know that when you're fencing in a match Mm. in a fencing match no before you even ask the question no no, I don't know well if you curse you get taken out really so I was out get the fuck away from me (laughs) start like overhanding it (laughs) oh you want want some of this swatting a fly (laughs) I was out but I used to yeah we used to smoke an apple yeah Used to smoke an apple bong and they used to go out there and fence. Yeah, I mean, like fencing was a <laughs> fencing was a loose term. I really what I was doing was probably not. Was school fun for you, or were you just like, get me the f- out of here? No, I mean, when high school, I like I was so horrifically bullied as a child Ugh. because I was so so gay. Yeah, like, and then I really did. I was like really trying to be straight, and like everyone was like, "Now you're just weird." They, they were like, "Why?" Yeah. You don't need, we don't, we never asked for yeah. this. Yeah. We just want you to be yourself so we can bully you. That's yes. your purpose. Could you go back? Can to you go back <laughs> to being that? Because it's no fun if you're trying to fit in. And I was rude and like weird and loud. So then yeah, I got that's to, what happens when you get bullied. Yeah, I was, I was rude and weird and loud. So I, and then I got to high school and I, I got there and I was like, okay, here's what's going to go down. I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be hot. Boobies to the sky. And I'm going to be mean. And I did one of the two. <laughs> I was mean. I was not. I was not. But I was tough. Like, I just didn't want to be f***ed with. So I was really tough. And I was really, like, I could, like, throw it down. So in, in some respects, if you think if you think back to that incarnation of KP that we met on album number one, which you said in your own words when we started talking that there was a real defense mechanism that was up and you were trying to kind of, like, basically create this sort of macho identity of, like, I got this. Like, fucking, I'm in charge kind of shit. And I really believed it. I really believed that I had it. Of course, because you needed it to survive from what you went through as your kid. It's like, yeah, I did. But I, I realized that my plan that I had made in my head of this career only went until 1950 came out. And then I had no plan past that. So I was like, I literally had this moment. I remember sitting in my first apartment and being like, I did not plan. What's next? Like, no. <laughs> and then I felt 
stressed out by that and then didn't continue to not plan. So when the rest of the world is sitting here at this point, like we are and, and telling you you're great because you are. And then, you know, here comes a fashion house and they're like, we like your look. And you're sort of getting validation in all these areas. But there's this kind of, is there this kind of creeping feeling underneath that? Like, I've got no plan B. I've like got no option. I've got no follow up here. Yeah. And also, like, when you have a song like 1950 that like immediate, it's essentially went viral. Yeah. It's a platinum record. Like, I'm still a new artist that's developing themselves. And I had this platinum song. Weren't you Grammy nominated for that song? No. Oh. Mama, I, I, have, I have not been nominated for Grammy. I would love a Grammy. I'll put that out there. Yeah. That would be fierce. It's cool to have an award. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. Like, I want I want all the awards. Oh, I, th- I, I agree. I I'm lo- that type of person, though. I agree. And I also think it's for the team. I think when you win it, it's like the greater good wins it. But there was definitely, and then, man, you missed the 90s. Boy, the 90s were not good for awards. You know, the amount of artists would get up. Even they were in the 90s, they get up and then it's like, yo, I don't know what this shit means, man. Like, it's a fucking competition's and art. Like, I don't Care. Well, I like that too, but they still have the award and it's still on their mantle and they're like, you know, you'll ashing it or whatever. Like, you'll do, I've seen the future. You'll win a Grammy and then you'll be up and like, I don't know what this means, man, but you know, this. I don't know. I don't know what I would say. I would be like, thanks. You need to work on your acceptance <laughs> speech. You need to prepare a little no, more I'm for kidding. that. I would be like, oh my God. You'd be like Ron Burgundy, be like, I'm totally unprepared, first of all. <laughs> No, it's the scene in Taldiga Nights where it's the first time he's been interviewed <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do with this. Guy keeps pushing yeah, we do real good. Drove real fast. It was real, real fast. fast. Get the car performing. Yeah, the car, car performing. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> he went on such a tear. I feel like that team for like five movies in a row were just unstoppable. Taldiga Nights is one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, but don't forget like... Semi-pro. Unbelievable. Such a good film. Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. Both Anchorman's, I don't care what anyone says, two had some really funny moments. I'm blind. <laughs> it's like, it's like trying to tweet, which like, what is it? The, the nerf to pop the wine? It's like ketchup. It's like, Ron, surely you could tell it's a small bottle and not a large bottle. <laughs> I would, but I'm blind. And he's like living at the lighthouse. <laughs> at the lighthouse. There's <laughs> also, so there's a funny story. So when I was making this record, I was with Ethan Gruska a lot and we were at his house just like drinking and playing golf and making music and at one point um we would we would watch tv to watch survive i got him into survivor but i was like let's great watch great reference in that by the way yes i was like could we could we uh please watch talladeg nights and he was like yeah and so we watched it and i started crying i was so happy oh and you were happy i was just so like and he was like are you crying and i was like this movie makes me so happy it's so good i'm sobbing yeah so he and i'm sure he would say the same that that was very odd you know the collaborators you talked about wanting to collaborate with more people and get out of your own of your own head a little bit and you've certainly achieved that i mean looking at the people you've worked with we talked a little bit about aaron amy allen oh amy my little cherub you guys got a good vibe i love amy I really do. I love her so much. I give her so much, you know, and she's just like, it's cool because I think, you know, that's like my, my roots were always hanging out with songwriter girls. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and she's so much more than that. You know, she's, she's a, she's an artist. Her music's amazing. She's a, she's a producer. But what did you learn from working with her? Cause that's the art of collaboration is to, is to get a great result, but ultimately get a learning from it. I'm the type of artist who <clears throat> knows what I want to say most of the time, except for when I don't. And then, um, but needs sometimes structurally needs to be steered. Mm-hmm. And because I think that there's that part of my brain that's the indie that goes, 
well, they, no, this, let's, let's sabotage the chorus. And then there's part of me that's like, no, I want the biggest pop song ever. So there's Amy's a great balance because she helps me compile and and fit things. And so that's why I feel like the goal on this album was that none of the songs feel clunky. Oh, they definitely don't. I don't want clunk. I want to ask you (laughs) what what song you worked on with Tobias with Jesso Jr. I worked on uh, Dotted Lines. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. He is something about. That was a bad day. I was not having a good day when I wrote that. Why? Because I was sad. So I wrote that song. But don't aren't you like keyed in enough to know that's when the good stuff is waiting to be said? Yeah, but I wasn't sad in like a way where it wasn't sad about like a relationship. I was like sad about like my, the industry. Like I was having like a big all moment about, you know. You just felt like. Just feeling like I was just not. Hidden. Like living up to the expectations put on me. And I hate that. <laughs> it's like so That's dark. a bad day. Yeah, it was a bad day, and they were they really coaxed me out of it. So yeah, how did they do that? How, that's I think what people want to know is when you're an artist and you're vulnerable, and, and I think we really ignore the vulnerabilities of the arts way too much. We have to acknowledge it comes from a very real place. It's also like you have to like understand as an industry, it's like you're hiring like you have to be a certain level of narcissistic and deeply mentally ill to want to be a musical artist. It's an insane thing to do. You know, and this construct of it's a, born out of contradiction every yeah, time. Yeah, and it's a con- this construct of a of a industry that we work in. It's like it's just all so wild if you well, think about it. The other thing as well is that that was probably a pretty heavy day because you realize you weren't as tough as you thought you were. Because when when you first came out, I felt I, the vibe again. The vibe we always got we got from KP was just like, oh, this industry is my bitch. like I got this. I know what the fuck to do here. I make my shit. I do my shit. I partner with a label. They're gonna give me my what I need to just do my shit. And then you have a day like that when you walk in, you're yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, I I think that that works until you aren't viral (laughs) like that. So what does that mean? I mean, like, you know, for me, it's like my the most important thing to me is good music. But now you have this unrealistic expectation attached to your songs. It's like a post. Everybody gets this when they snap, when they land on one really big post and they're like, my next post only has a thousand likes. What did I do wrong? It's like, doesn't work. And as much as you'd like to think like that, this, you cannot deny that that weighs on you as a person. And, you know, on my best day, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing me. I'm going to make the music I want to make always. And I'm not going to compromise it for anyone. <laughs> and that is why the album sounds as good as it does. Yeah. And part of that was writing about feeling pissed the fuck off. You also got um, a firsthand look by doing a couple of pretty interesting tours with two artists who have come to that re- sort of that realization in different ways, right? Like, like Sean lives two lives. There's the teen idol, right? Right. That people still look at and kind of hold him up as this. Mm-hmm. But he's traveled so much further from that. He's just like a phenomenal person. He's one of those people where you're just like, you're just like a really... You know, like there's certain people of his level where you're just like you meet them and you're like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I loved him straight away. Y- like you're just like the person that you present to be. Yeah, we connected on a very personal level because his music wasn't really in my frame of reference when we first met. And I met him in an awards thing, Grammy Awards thing. And I was just straight away like, oh, this guy's a f-ing real one. Like he's straight into conversation, engaged, going deeper. He just cares. He cares about shit. And I think that that's like the thing that you know, I I want to put forward always is like, it's cool to care. 
it's really cool to fucking care. It's really cool to care about your music and your art and to want it to be the best that you can make it. And I and anyone else's opinion about that who isn't a musician isn't really helpful in the studio. Can I ask you what what is <laughs> an artist you get out of support supporting an artist on a big tour? Aside from the 30 minutes a night where you get to go and sort of stay Oh, sharp, it's amazing. Oh, I like with Casey, I was like chilling are you joking 30 minutes i was like whoa i get to i was like i just get to throw my ass around for 30 minutes and then go drink this sounds amazing that's how i would have responded to it for that sure was what, i was like this is honestly it was amazing i was like get in do the best fucking job and you I could can. be sitting at a fucking delicious japanese restaurant straight after you'd be there by nine Listen, I and you, I'm not saying you're not going to see Casey, but I mean it's like 40 shows. You'll see Casey. Well, I was no, I watched Casey like almost every night. To be honest with you, I was super intrigued by the whole thing because I had not seen the inner workings of a tour that big. Yeah, it's big either. So I'm and I'm a nerd for like things Process. that are built yeah. to be on stage. Like I think that's cool. So yeah. I was watching and you know talk to like the crew guys, you know, and like kind of watch them and. um but yeah, no, I just love that I got into, I went in, I did my job and I left. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, this is brilliant. This is amazing. And she was super sweet and, and, and made it super comfortable. And I, yeah, I don't know. Like we had this really great day where we set up all these Bud Light cans and we found a baseball. We just knocked down Bud Light cans. You and Casey? No. You and your band? Me and my band. Right. Casey was not. No, Casey <laughs> She would have. She honestly, she might have been. But she we would've. were just that. We were just sitting in the parking lot in like freaking, you know, Oakland, just knocking down cans. I mean, that it's like a scene so out cool. of Stranger Things. It sounds like the most beautifully boring day of all time. That was the vibe, and I really, I had so much fun, and I felt really healthy, yeah. like because it was, it was healthy. I mean, not the drinking, but the, I felt, yeah, and I. No, I wasn't healthy. <laughs> but listen, but the, I felt healthy. No, but you, you were having fun, and you also get. I just love that idea of like looking at your touring schedule and knowing that in six nights' time, you'll be in Madison Square Garden. That's exciting. It's like... That was fucking nuts. Yeah. Can you believe? I can, but I can imagine that you couldn't. I couldn't. Exactly. No, it was, but it felt right. I was, I was on that stage and I was like, this, this feels great. I could do this again That's for awesome. longer. There's a song on the album that finishes it, which is called Let Us Die, which is one of the best songs on the album. And um, it's it's a really powerful song. And Taylor Hawkins played drums on it before we lost him. The world lost him and he yeah. passed away. Um, and, you know, that's that's an emotional, obviously that's an emotional observation, let alone an experience. And um, I think as we continue to do our best as fans of Taylor to, in our own very small way, just continue to build on the legacy that he established and make sure that his music and his name right. and who he is is never forgotten. I think it would be good to share and reflect on that experience a bit. Well, <clears throat> so when I wrote Let Us Die, I knew that this was the, the probably the best song I've ever written. Like, I felt that. I felt it from when we laid down the chorus. I was like, this is the type of shit that I want to do. This, is, this brings me the same feeling I get from Alanis. And that, that is what I strive for, you know. And um, I uh, showed Mark the song, and Mark was like, this is amazing, which he does not always say. So I knew it was something special. Um, and he was like, but you know, we really need a drummer who's going to bring life to this. Like this needs to be 
um, a living and breathing person behind a drum kit and not not a programmed beat, not a sample. Like this is this is the type of song that needs humanity behind all the instruments. And I was like, I agree. Who? And he was like, How about Taylor Hawkins? And I was like, Do you think that you could get <laughs> Taylor Hawkins to play in my song? Like, and he was, yeah, and he was like, Because it's like, I he's like Michaela, don't even worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. I have the same So he he called him. He called him and he said, you know, he sent him the song and he's like, do you want to play on this? And he was like, yeah, man, it's a great song. Yeah. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Isn't it beautiful when you get so scared and everybody does before, you know, an outreach like that. And you realize that for the people you're reaching out to, it's just a great experience. Well, for him it, and when we FaceTimed because he so he was recording it at their studio and I was in Brooklyn mm -hmm. and we were feeding it through the console. So pretty trippy, too, to be in my childhood home studio. Almost with your eyes closed, listening to this guy play. Listening well, to yeah, this guy right. play on my dad's speakers. Yeah, like, I was, and my dad sitting there, like, watching and, like, just, like, oh, my. Like, we were just, I couldn't even, I can't even describe it. I was so emotional. It was crazy. But in between takes, you know, we'd FaceTime and he would, you know, he was just so kind. And um, he would just, how was that? How was that? I was like, it's amazing. You want to do it one more time? Yeah, let me do a couple more. I'll do a couple more. And he just did it. He took he took as long as he needed and he and he did it and uh, he was so kind and so gracious and he was like I'm just so thankful like you know that I just love this song and like I lo I just love playing and he was just saying he loves playing drums you know and to hear that from somebody who's lived such a life that you know at, at his age and, and 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 playing for as long as he has in so many different bands and his own projects for him to just love to play the fucking drums like that to me is just what we should all strive to be yeah somebody who does not lose that love of their instrument how did you process obviously as the rest of the world and all of us and and none more than his family and his friends bandmates and and teammates but the world is processing his loss in in real time and um you have to think about the song and and being careful and gracious thoughtful, and thoughtful. Like, well, that's a, that was a big thing. Was the first thing we did. I texted Mark. I was I was devastated. I I had you know I had just met him, you know, and so well, I, I just I, met him. You just met him, and he left a mark on your life. Left a mark on my life. Maybe the most transformative experience I've ever. I've never had drums on a record like that. Like I've never felt what it feels like to have a drummer what like a that. Gift. So he gave that to me, and he was so kind. And 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 then to find that out, I was just like completely in shock. And then a couple of weeks later i was like guys you know i think that the i think that what we need to do is reach out to his team and just let them decide and whatever they want because it's really it's up to them and it's up to his legacy but I, but i will include that he did love this song and that that's the reason that i would want him on it it's because he loved it but we sent this message and it was very respectful i think and 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 say no they, more. There they, it is. They came back and said, you know, as long as he, you know, wanted to be on it, that sounds sounds great. And they were just so kind and so. And I can't even imagine getting a message like that during that time. So I, I feel part of me feels like you know. I was just so anxious and 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 sad and nervous to just ask of someone like that. But they they felt that it was an homage, and it is an homage. It's for Taylor. Life, huh? It's crazy. It's really crazy. And, you know. It's crazy. The rock gods, man. Yeah, well. The rock gods. I mean, the rock and roll lords. It's because they see it in you. They hear it in you. They know what's in you. That's spirit. It's and, a song um, about, you know, 
mess. It's a song about messiness. That's what is so amazing about this album is you've leaned into the mess again, but you've got this clarity of thought that has just inspired this performance on this album, which is just pure. And I can't say that about your first album. Your first album is scrappy. It's scrappy. And this album is just like clear. Yeah, I feel that. That's the I, best way I could describe it. I don't know if I, you know. I feel that though. I, I do feel like it's clear. I feel like there's there's such um, intention in each song. You're listening to this song now. Yeah. And as different as they all are, the through line and the story goes like, you know. I'm just happy because I know you you're not going anywhere, and and I and I and I can imagine how you felt that day with Tobias, and I and I can and there are artists all over the world right now who are asking that question of themselves right now. And I think that's important. And I, I you know, obviously, you know, talking about it like this is awesome because it's like when you do it on TikTok or you do it on Instagram or you do it on social media, you're still receiving, like validation from yeah, yeah. it and the the truth of the of the issue with validation is that you'll you're not going to ever get it when you need it you're never going to get enough of it from other people especially when you need with the minute that you need validation that's the that is when it is not going to come to you and so in these when we talk about it like this and feeling really bogged the f- down by the state of the industry and by art and what's happening with art right now it's like you know it's nice to talk about it in this format it's nice for me too because I, I'm not looking at like counts. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like, it's very look. I don't even know what's left and right or how long we've been talking. I, if it's good, I never do. This is good for me, and I, I think what's really interesting is the perspective that you can offer and some of your peers and contemporaries can offer from the last of four or five years. I was there that night. We had a little soiree for new artists around Coachella Week. You were there. I found a photo the other day. So cool. Of course, I never posted it, but it's like you, Omar, Billy. There's four or five of you. I remember that. It photo. was an incredible photo, and all of you are just giving great face. I look so stoned in that photo. Everyone's pretty. I think I don't think you were the only one. I think I was just blasted. Yeah, but it, it was perfect KP at that moment, right? That's, that was yeah. that's that's who you were at that time, right? Holding on for dear life, and 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 everybody kind of was in their own way. And that photo is pretty iconic. I may frame it just for personal and just put it on my wall because I've got this wall where the special shit goes and I, I'm like, I'm gonna, that one's going to go quietly in my house. But it's really cool. And I think that you are astronauts in a lot of ways because the way that you came out, the internet was already firing, but it was the, it was the connection between math and math. It was different math as an artist and then social math. Then it was streaming math and social math. And that is a lot of... as McConaughey says it's high frequency. Like, how can you hold on to yourself and what drives you when it's all numbers? Live, live shows. That's what, that's what does it for me. There's a part of me that I always was a studio rat, you know, like I was in the studio. The studio was my safe haven. The studio was my safe place. It still is. Yeah. But the stage, that is where you actually see your work and what it's done. Like, streaming yeah, you got a bajillion, jillion, kajillion streams. It's like get in front of an audience. Yeah, see how, see if, see if the see, connection. See how you're responded to and how you respond. Because, like, what I have been so blessed with in this life is an audience of people who make it fun. Like, these kids make it 
fun. We have fun at my show. How was it your first ever show? And it was fun. It was fun. And it's, I haven't done it in a long time, uh, my solo tour, and I'm going on my tour. Yeah. But it is going to be balls to the walls fun. At the Greek, balls to the walls fun at Radio City Musical. Get the Radio out of City here. is a dream that I have had my whole life. Amazing. And even maybe more than Madison Square Garden was, I think Radio City is. Well, because it's you. It's you. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I, I saw Jack White <laughs> at Radio City with the all-chick band. <laughs> Epic. That was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, he'll do that. I saw Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. <laughs> that's a weird collection of people, but I no, saw... No, it's epic. I saw Only the Jethro Tull at... I now go weird. Yeah, well, I do love Jethro Tull. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's amazing. But when you get on stage, you know. You know. You know what your music has done. And you know the songs that maybe that songs that you care about that aren't streaming songs are the ones that people are going to cry to, you know? And that's, that is a crazy feeling. You're an album artist. So you're here to stay. I'm an album artist. I'm sorry, stay, huh? guys. No, I love it. You're the best. Thank you, Zane. Make sure to follow right here for every single one of Zane's conversations in the interview series only inside Apple Music.